My next guest needs no introduction, but I will give her one anyway. Laura Rutledge, of course, you see her on NFL Live and, of course, uh, talking college football as well. And she now joins us. Laura, in the middle of all this baseball stuff, we've got some football issues I want to talk to you about. First of all, welcome. Um, Do you see 13 million? We got 13 million you want to give out to, to Ryan Day to help him out? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what I mean, it is just the wild, wild west with all of this. We knew it was coming, right? I, mean, I feel like even we talked about this last year around SEC Media Days when a, a lot of the NIL and um, the way that this was all going to operate was unknown. And then yet here we are with uh, everything continuing to have developments, but not a whole lot of regulation, right? Yeah. <laughs> What do you see happening now, Laura? What are, I mean, what's the next step in all of this? You know, I, I think the, the tough part, and I'm, I'm actually still in Destin, Florida, after oh, the okay. SEC meetings have been here. And so it's been interesting hearing from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and, and a lot of the presidents, athletic directors, just all the people that are potentially in decision-making roles, but yet they don't have a lot of power because this, is really a Congress level issue. Like Congress is going to have to come over the top here and try and make these regulations, whatever they may be, uniform. And as of right now, as we all know, it's not going to be that because instead it's a situation where it's state regulated and it's why some states can do some things and other states can't. And I mean, it's just, it's not going to change until Congress steps in and makes a, a blanket statement or a blanket ruling on what this has to be. And, and that's where I think it's all going to be in a bit of a flux. You almost have to say, and, and we've already seen certainly the Saban and Jimbo back and forth and all of that, but you almost have to say, okay, either I am going to follow rules that, you know, are sort of in place, or I'm going to kind of say, let me test this and see how far I can go. And, and that's where, you know, you look at Texas A&M and, and the way that they've approached recruiting, the way that they're going to continue to do it, they don't feel they've broken any rules, whereas Nick Saban and others may feel differently. And, and, <laughs> and I think we're just going to continue to see that as this is not going to be regulated, from what I can tell, anytime soon. Laura, I see in my cloudy crystal ball collective bargaining, unionization happening at the college level. Do you? Yeah, I think probably so. I think you're right. And and listen, you know, the other part of all of this is that whatever happens from a collective bargaining standpoint or, to your point, some sort of unionization and, and um, anything that they could do to try to band together, it, you are seeing the haves continue to rise and the have-nots continue to fall, and that gap continue to get larger. And that's where I think some of these things that we felt like, wow, that doesn't even seem possible, like a – super conference or maybe uh, a, a level of college football that is closer to the pro level than it ever has been before. And then uh, a secondary level that's almost like the JV side of football, for, for lack of a better way to put it, the JV side of college football, where it's not like what it is at that higher level. And there is a, a distinct separation. That may be where we're headed to. And, and I think in all of this, you say, where does the NCAA fit in? And more and more, you kind of feel like, they're getting squeezed out of things. Maybe that's how it should be. Uh, either way, I think <laughs> there's no way to look at it except for the fact that we are headed into 
a whole new realm of college athletics. And we, we thought we were already in it. I think it's going to continue to change. It's going to continue to grow. And um, there are a lot of conferences even, like the ACC, for instance, that may be looking around and saying, what are we even doing? You know, we, we've got you're, – you're looking at what the Big Ten's becoming and these TV deals that are coming in just a couple of years. That's going to make a huge difference in all of this as well. And uh, we're going to be looking at schools in the SEC with this ESPN Disney platform deal coming in just a couple of years uh, and, and the SEC rights being taken away from CBS. We're looking at the schools in the SEC getting so many millions of dollars uh, as a result of those TV deals that I think, once again, you know, it creates an even larger separation even from that standpoint, too. Laura, in Destin, uh, there were a a number of topics discussed, but one that intrigues me is the conference alignment in terms of, you know, will they ever not have divisions? What is it going to be a 3-6, that sort of thing? What are your thoughts along those lines? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that we've consistently heard people say, and whether it's Commissioner Sankey or somebody else in that type of role, is trying to figure out, you know, how do they work Texas and Oklahoma into the schedule, and and how does that how does that fit? You know, what what's necessary that we have to hold on to from a traditional rivalry standpoint? And I think as someone who I consider myself a, a bit of a college football purist, although I, I am excited in some ways about where this is all headed. I can't imagine a world where we don't see Florida, Georgia every year. You know, I mean, it's just like those are the types of things that I believe decision makers will try to hold on to. But to your point about maybe divisional realignment or some changes there, I think that may end up happening. But I still think we're a ways away from that. I mean, so many people are throwing out different ideas and you can kind of see the merits in a lot of them (laughs) you know that there's there's a ton of different options there and i think texas and oklahoma will also have a say so what's important to them what what do they need to see happen do they need to play each other you know all all, things like that that i believe will um end up becoming as we get closer and closer to their entrance to this league it's going to continue to be at the forefront. Right now, I would be for trying to keep it how it is and still keep the West and the East, maybe changing them up a little bit, which would be interesting, right? Because yeah. where where do you see that change? I mean, do you try to just put uh, one in each conference, like put Oklahoma or in each division, put Oklahoma in one and Texas in the other? Maybe. Um, but but I would I would be interested to look at anything that would allow us to keep – the traditional rivalries in place. I just think that's really important to the fabric of this conference. Laura Rutledge, our guest uh, from NFL Live, of course, covers college football as well. I'm going to turn to the NFL now. Laura, with OTAs, you know, lots made about Lamar Jackson not being, you know, with Baltimore or, you know, player X not being there. In, in the grand scheme of things, is that a big deal? No, not at all. Um, you know, the, the only one that I think raised my eyebrow a little bit as we've been covering so much of that is Kyler Murray not being at Cardinals OTAs. And, and, and the main reason being that, you know, he's somebody who obviously went very publicly with his agent and all of that, saying that he was disgruntled, saying that, you know, he felt he deserved more and, and all of the things that came out about him and what he said. And then there was certainly some rumors that were flying around that may not have been fair about his leadership and all of that. 
so if I'm him, I'm saying, hey, you know, it seems like things have been repaired here. Even if I'm not doing activity, I'm going to show up to OTAs. And, and that that's just – that one was sort of odd to me. With Lamar Jackson, I don't even think we would be talking about it that much except for the fact that there's this odd situation with an, a potential new deal that's just hanging in the balance. And it's one of the weirdest ones because he doesn't have an agent. So it's really on him to go to the Ravens and say, all right, I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to negotiate. And he has not done that yet. And so the Ravens are in a bit of a limbo. They're ready to go ahead and ne- negotiate this deal. And they're expecting him to come to them and say, I'm t- I want $230 million and not a penny less. Uh, they're hoping he doesn't say he wants a penny more, right? But that's <laughs> the John Watson deal. And, and that's what he deserves. That's what he should get. And so I think that one's going to be really fascinating to watch. Really haven't seen it before that a player of that caliber would represent himself. Um, and it's up to him to go to the Ravens and get those negotiations started. So I, I think that's why we've paid more attention to him not being at OTAs. Two more quick NFL questions. Uh, speaking of Watson, you know, now more lawsuits are out there and supposedly more are coming. Uh, when is the league going to decide what his punishment is? And then are the Browns holding on to Baker Mayfield because of the uncertainty of Watson? Yeah, it's so interesting. So I'll, I'll tackle the Watson element of this first. Uh, so just – incredibly horrible to continue to hear about these allegations and continue to see people coming out and these women coming out. And um, I just, I I think the the one thing I would say, Steve, and I I appreciate you even asking this question is, you know, women and this many women don't lie about this. And so that's where I think we all need to look at it through that vein. And I know the NFL's conduct committee has continued to interview Deshaun Watson. They've spoken to, many of the alleged victims, they will probably speak to new victims who are coming forward. And it's one of those issues where we have not seen this type of committee go back and forth and uh, speak with and meet with the player in question as much as they have with Deshaun Watson in any scenario recently. So it's very complicated because, as we know, the legal system did not choose to move forward with charges with him. And mm-hmm. so that's where they're in a, a, a bit of an odd place. But I expect that we'll see it carry on a little bit more as more accusers are coming out and they continue to talk to them and they continue to gather information. But I think we're looking at, you know, some sort of significant suspension, and, and it should be. And then on the Baker Mayfield end, I don't think Baker Mayfield plays another snap for the Browns, and I, I think they're trying to figure out everything they can to offload that almost $19 million guaranteed they're dealing with with him. And, you know, they've got Jacoby Brissett as a backup there, which we are familiar with him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> for yes. the Florida days. Uh, so I believe they're, they're thinking ride with Brissett as long as they have to, and then – you know, whenever Deshaun Watson would be eligible to play, let him play, bring him in. The, the Baker Mayfield thing's interesting because you would have thought that at the draft or maybe day two of the draft even, one of these quarterback needy teams would have said, all right, let's try to make a deal. Let's try to, let's try to get this guy. And I, I bet they did, but I bet the Browns were probably told, we'll take the guy, but you're left hanging with that $19 million. They're trying to find somebody who gets desperate during training camp who, God forbid, you know, somebody gets injured somewhere, they need a quarterback. The Browns are banking on that. They're saying that's going to happen. 
someone's going to be really desperate and they're going to at least take some of the load of these millions that we owe Baker Mayfield. And um, they're going to wait it out for that. Now, I, it's going to be really interesting to follow because Baker Mayfield is not in an ideal situation right now. Last question. And this is, this is uh, into the Rutledge crystal ball. And this is going to change <laughs> 25 times. Of the rookie quarterbacks, Laura, which one do you think has the best to be a starter right away, if any? Yeah, man, it's so interesting because unlike last year where we were looking at just a bunch of megastars, these guys are a bit unproven, you know, and um, and that's that's true at the NFL level, even somewhat at the college level. I would say Kenny Pickett right now, uh, but if if I'm being completely honest, I feel like Mitchell Trubisky might be a better not only might be a better quarterback, but might be a better option for that offense and, and what they want to run. He's a little more of a, an athletic quarterback than Kenny Pickett is. And who knows, you know, that could actually be really interesting with Matt Canada coordinating that Pittsburgh Steelers offense. So I would say him right now, but you know, listen, watch Matt Corral. Uh, you look at the Panthers situation and I don't think Sam Darnold is as, as, as uh, painful as it is to even bring up his name probably to you as a Jets fan, Steve. <laughs> I don't think yeah. Sam Darnold is really going to change a whole lot. I think, unfortunately, as talented as we thought he was, he's, he's shown kind of who he is. And it's not that he can't go somewhere else or be a backup somewhere. I mean, he's still uh, one of the top, you know, I don't know, 35, 40 quarterback options. So he'll have a job. But I think Matt Corral is pretty spicy. And I think he's somebody that – people are probably underestimating. He got a little bit underestimated in the draft, even in a lot of ways, you look at where he went. So I, I would, I would throw Matt Corral in there as a potential option. I think he'd be really interesting in that Panthers offense and may end up getting that starting job sooner rather than later. Well, uh, it's June, which means training camps aren't too far away. So NFL live will all of it, but before you know it, start cranking. I mean, not that it isn't now, but when things get going here, you know, you can watch Laura and, uh, she does a great job, as always, and I always appreciate you being here, Laura. Thank you for doing it. Of course. Thanks for having me. We'll you talk to you soon. Thank you, girl. Laura Rutledge, uh, who does great work both uh, covering college and pro football.